This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Board Breakdown podcast with me, Johnny, Elliot, and Dana. And. In this podcast, we're going to speak about QPR, Bezic, Mikel, Johnny Woodgate, and Wigan. And if you don't mind, guys, can I kick things off this week and talk about QPR? Yeah, if you don't mind, perfect. Um, so, in my opinion, I actually think the QPR game was a case of like job done, really. Um, and I, it was kind of like let's let's beat QPR. We probably will beat QPR, and let's move on to Wigan next Saturday. And I, I don't really want to come across and start the podcast off negative, but. Or me being picky, but I wasn't like really overly impressed by the performance on Saturday. Um, and I think QPR were kind of like beaten about 85% before kickoff. Um, and I think when you looked at their mentality, yeah, I appreciate they just went and beat Leeds last night, but uh, I think the mentality where you lost like five on the spin, um, being in that position like as a, as a player as well, it was like you kind of like if a team scores against you in the way that we did, you just think, oh well. I can't, be, I can't be bothered now um, and I just felt like the game was was done but I think overall I think our performance was quite average um, and I thought there was I thought Lewis Wing looked a bit lost on the pitch which was a bit, a bit of a surprise because he's been so good um, in previous weeks I think I think it was early on in the first half I think he had two notes he had one note in like the first 10 minutes he had another note after like 35 minutes I was just like he clearly doesn't know where he's playing here or Bezic is being moved up the pitch so much that he doesn't really know where he fits in the midfield. Um, I thought we actually sat really deep in the first half as well, surprisingly. Um, when we didn't have the ball, we let the QB obviously make the mistakes they had, but we sat so deep. Um, I just thought it'd give them a bit of confidence when we didn't really need to. If we give it with a high press, made it really difficult for them, it probably would have been like 4-0 before half-time. Um, but 
again, uh, I think we, do, we, we it's a great record that we have, but I actually thought the performance was just absolutely bang average. Yeah, it, it wasn't anything to be to purr over, really, was it? It was mm. just like like you said, a case of job done, really. Yeah, I, I didn't think there was just like people that were saying, "Oh, it's Boris' best performance so far this season." Um, don't get me wrong, there was like good performances like more Bezic will come on to him in a second, play really well Mikel obviously um, I thought Ashley Fletcher was really bright and we could potentially come on to him as well um, but I just I thought like the 99 well I think 99% of teams in the championship this season probably everyone bar Ipswich would have probably beat QPR on Saturday I don't, think, I don't care who it was um, they would have probably been because they just they came to get beat essentially I don't know about you else. I know you've seen like some of the highlights as well, and you didn't go to the game. I took you, I took your ticket for uh, someone else. But mm-hmm. well, I took it for Chris, my mate who, who plays professional. We play professionally. You need to come on the podcast actually in a couple of weeks. But um, what do you think of the actual performance itself? Yeah, um, I mean, looking back, you, you know, you don't get a lot of it. But you know, from what you're saying, um, I felt like that. A lot since since Fulis has took over really, so I can't disagree with you. Um, there has been some good performances. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think Leeds and Blackburn we put in good performances, um, but these it's these two nil wins. It seems like all of these two nil wins have been. I'll, I'll never remember any of them. I'll never remember the goals in any of mm. them since Fulis has took over. And we've done it against Ipswich, QPR, Wigan. Um, Wigan. There's been a few this season where it's just like. You know, you come out thinking, you know, we scored two goals, we've won. It should have been a really enjoyable, entertaining game, but it's a bit. I don't know. I feel like that's sometimes what the best um, we can get, really. And and to quote one of my friends, Danny, if you're listening, Danny, big shout out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, a Tony Pulis utopia, he called it, and it's like in a Tony Tony Pulis utopia. Um, you know that. What more can we expect, really? It's. Yeah. That's what it is. He's there to get results. He doesn't so sort of go overly flashy on performances. Yeah. It should have really been about four or five nil win yeah. when we scored the first two goals. I think we nearly scored a third straight after with uh, British on Belong and he missed the one on one. He obviously missed the the chance earlier in the second half. But when I said to Chris as well at half time, well, we both, we both agreed really. It was just like now it's two nil. We were just like we could probably go home here. Like the, we're not going to score in the second half. You could just, yeah. you could just sense that we weren't going to score. We were just going to sit back, see if QPR try to get us a little bit of pressure on. And I think they did. They with, um, I think it's Samuel who came on on the left hand side and he absolutely tore uh, Johnny Housen to shreds for like the first ten minutes. But besides that, it wasn't like I I, I had, I had a bet on sort of uh, over like not to be over two point five goals in the game when I seen we'd scored two in thirty two minutes. I genuinely wasn't even worried, and that was the only that was the only bet that came in on my coupons, and all the others didn't. And I was just thinking, you know, when I seen that, I thought oh, it could be a three, four, five, and that's a bit weird. And then she kept checking in on it, and it was still two nil, and still two nil, and it doesn't, doesn't really surprise me. It was like I was saying last week, though, our Achilles heels always being killing teams off and yeah, getting yeah. that third goal. And it's like usually when we've got one or two goals, it's like that's it, and you can almost guarantee we won't score another one. So. Yeah. It's just kind of followed the same pattern that Borough have been used to for not just this season and not just last, but probably since the playoff season. We've we've never really been a team to to score three goals and or you know kill teams off like that and be as clinical as maybe we can. And you know we had chances as well. There was obviously Brit. The one on one was really poor. I think he he should have hit it first time. I don't really know what he was doing. I think he was trying. To, I'll scream and take around him. It just it seemed like he had so much space. He had so much yeah, space and time. He, he could have done anything. He could have 
lobbed it, could have booted it in the air for 10 minutes and let it come down and still have enough time to not slot it yeah. in. Yeah, it's just, it's poor decision making, isn't it? At mm. the end of the day, we've done it a few times where um, I think there was a few shots in the second half from Savile and Wing where maybe there was another, there was a pass on or an opportunity to maybe, I don't know, a, a better option. It was the same with the Blackburn game as well and it's just these little things that I think need ironing out a little bit. Yeah, um, well, there was a lot of positives to take out the game though. Um, the 15th clean sheet of the season in the league um, I thought Mo Bezic was really bright Dana um, I thought Ashley Fletcher was superb um, and I thought obviously John Owen McKell is John Owen McKell and what I found out with John Owen McKell was he, not, not only does he give confidence to other players but all he does for a, a good 60-70 minutes of that game he follows whoever plays number 10 he just plays around them he just, literally, just, literally gives, just plays about 10 minutes so he always has space you know, it just thought was really interesting um, and it just shows how technically good he is um, but mentality, but more Bezic, Dana. Uh, much better performance from him. But is it too early to to say that Moore's back at the moment? Yeah, I've I've written that in my notes. You know, not going to get carried away about it. But the past two games, he's been he's been pretty good. Um, and I think you know you men- mentioned um, John Omi McCall. I think Bezic is another example of a player that's benefiting from him being in the, in the side because you know Bezic was getting forward a lot more um, at the weekend and. Um, you know, you saw it in the goals as well when he when he went forward and he he fed through uh, Ashley Fletcher. Um, you know, I think he just gives a an air of confidence to the midfield, a new lease of life really for them because they've just been used to being so shackled defensively that yeah. they have no. I don't know. They they don't have that attacking. I wouldn't say ability, but they don't have the freedom really to get forward and use. You know. Mikel's essentially giving them that freedom and it, you know Wings benefited from it Housen has Savile has and Besic has as well mm. um, I want to touch on Ashley Fletcher a few else and Tony Pulis he, since he's came in he's he's put his arm around Lewis Wing and brought him up to speed very quickly Adama Traore made him a completely different player made him a £20 million player went off to Wolves um, in terms of Ashley Fletcher do you think Pulis is starting to get the best out of him or is it again like far too early to tell or is he st- is he starting to work his magic a little bit? Um, yeah, I think it's still at the early stages of it. Obviously, um, it's only like a sort of two game running the team, um, but it's promising signs so far. An assist in the the first game, um, a goal on the weekend. Um, you know, bearing in mind they weren't like great opponents that we come against um, both teams. Um, it'd be good to just see him. You know, keep that place in the team. Keep shipping them goals and assists. Um, keep getting in the positions he's in, and yeah, you know, you know good turn into another twenty million pound player. So. Do, you, do you think he warrants a start on, on against Wigan on Saturday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah I, I think, think it's promising the uh, partnership between him and Brutus Ambalonga as well. So yeah, um, I was going to say, well, the performance that Ashley Fletcher put in it gives him, a, I would say, like another three games um, of where he's going to probably play. Um, but after that, I think if he doesn't perform, I think he'll be back on the, you know, on the bench again and probably never be seen again. But in terms of Tony Pulis, um, we announced it on the podcast a few weeks ago, a couple of months obviously um, ago when we announced that Tony Pulis would potentially leave in the summer. And bear in mind, this obviously means if we don't get promoted, it's, it's very likely that he's going to leave. Um, we said about Johnny Woodgate potentially become manager. Um, we didn't really talk about it that much, so that's why I'm bringing it up now. And in the room, in the rumor this week was Johnny Woodgate is pretty much nailed on to be Mills' manager, which we spoke about. Well, very briefly, very a uh, few weeks ago. But Johnny Woodgate, Millsbury manager, um, with Kurt Fleming potentially assistant manager. 
Middlesbrough Boys Club. Um, do you think it'd be a well? I'm gonna go with Ian Smith's question actually for you, Elliot. Um, do you think it's an exciting appointment or is it a lack of ambition? Um, for me, I think it'd be um, a bit of a lack of ambition. Um, I know people can could go and bring up the argument of, you know, when we got Steve McLaren, he hadn't had a full time managerial position. I think it's a bit different when you're, you know, playing second to Sir Alex Ferguson compared to Tony Pulis and Steve Agnew. <laughs> so that that's where I think the difference lies there. Um, yeah, I, I I just can't see what I mean. Not for naming names because we've we've always been stuck on you know saying who would we bring in next if Tony Pulis yep. um, didn't stay on after this summer if we if we didn't go up, um, but yeah I think it wouldn't be an exciting appointment. Um, I think people would like it because of the factor of him you know being from this area and you know playing for the club during his career. Um, but in terms of his experience, you know it's just been um, I think it was working in the youth system at Liverpool. Um, you know, sort of coaching alongside Tony Pulis, um, Steve Agnew, and I think he maybe done a bit with Borough as well. Um, yeah. With was it Mark Jenkins. Jenkins as well in the under 18s? Yeah. Paul Jenkins. Um, Paul Jenkins, that's it. Um, yeah, so I don't know, it doesn't um, smack of a great appointment, but you know, th- th- this happens in football, doesn't it? You, it's there to be proved wrong, so. Um, managers do come in that are unproven sometimes and it, it can work out pretty well. What about you, Dan? Are you, are you happy or. You know what? I'm, bit, bit I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not overly sold on it, but I do understand where Borough would come from if they were to do that because, um, you know, I've always thought that if Borough go out and, and get a, a manager that could end up being the polar opposite to Tony Pulis, it could actually do worse for the club. Um, you know, Tony Pulis is basically laid down his foundations you know he's he's come to the club not just to oversee you know what the players do on the pitch but you know all the everything about the club from top to bottom and um you know Jonathan Woodgate's been a part of that and you know call me crazy I don't know whether the sun's got to me but I don't know I wouldn't I wouldn't really be that bothered I wouldn't be so angry about it I don't know like I just feel as though it's it's a, a smooth transition really from you know Tony Pulis to effectively one of his his assistants and um, it, I know Borough kind of are a little bit stuck. I feel like they're in the same situation or a similar situation to when Tony Mowbray took charge and in that we need to balance the books, we need to get the high earners off and just kind of deroute the backroom staff and and whoever's you know kind of overseeing things at the transfer uh, team and stuff like that and I don't know I just feel as though it's all about that transition and um, you know like I said if we if we appoint a manager that's the complete opposite it could end up undoing Tony Pulis's work that he's effectively laid down so far so I understand why people won't like it um, and well, there was a lot of people that didn't like it until when we put the questions out and we <laughs> had we'll get to clown yeah um, no just people saying no, no, please, Big no. Big block capitals, no. <laughs> <laughs> How dare we appoint a clown? Like, we'll be. <laughs> I won't actually uh, say what the comments are replied to, but it just go on. Sorry, Dana. But yeah, no. I mean, like I said, I'm not overly sold on it. I mean, I think I've just accepted the fact that we won't go for a glamorous manager that mm. everybody would want. So this seems like almost like an easy option 
for us mm. and maybe a, one that's not so difficult for us financially which is seems like the main thing at the moment do you think Jonathan Muggett is a slightly glamorous, before, uh, glamorous appointment you know, appreciate that he's, well, he's played for Real Madrid of course yeah, pretty, yeah he was probably the worst, one of the worst signs in La Liga for the last decade but the fact that he got to that level and he played against like with the likes of Sergio Ramos um and you know he's part of that, that really not once a golden era but he, he got to Real Madrid that is a huge yeah. step in anyone's career obviously only, only five Englishmen have done it yeah exactly and um, he's played for, obviously played for Leeds when they were a de- half decent team he's played for Newcastle as well and played for us too and he's done it at the very top Lampard mm. at, he went there at Chelsea there's Gerrard at range at the moment he he will bring in there's that, that chance that you could probably say he could attract that type of talent um, yeah I, I mean I wouldn't call him a glamorous appointment though I mean yeah he's, he's done you know he's, he's, he's a fantastic centre half um, when injuries didn't plague him but you know I don't feel like like to me a glamorous manager is somebody that is you know kind of been there done that you know the, the type that people like neutral fans would look at the team and think right they're dead certs to go off yeah. I don't think if we appointed Jonathan Woodgate that neutrals would have that same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I think statistically, though, we've never really appointed uh, experienced managers anyway. I think under Brian Robson, it was his first managerial uh, gig. Steve McLaren is the same. Um, Karanka. Again, there was like th- those three managers there like who we pretty much associate all the good times we've had with the club being from, say, well, quote-unquote inexperienced managers. Um, appreciate Brian Robson was at Manchester United, uh, Sim Curran at Manchester United, Ayal Cranca at Real Madrid, uh, supervised under Jose Mourinho. So it's very, very int- well. Gareth Southgate as well, really, he took up, but it was obviously just a car crash. What happened? I, I appreciate that. I would say I, I think that's what you could probably resemble it to the most. I think some of the others, like you said, have come from other clubs. Um, they had, had the first managerial stint, but. I guess it's more likened yeah, to to Southgate, isn't it? Because it's sort of just you know t- not taking over straight from being a player, but already being at the club, um, and you know from that experience, it didn't go didn't go very well, did it? But, yeah. Um, obviously, there's the same that we, we should have never sack Southgate and brought Strachan in, and I yeah. think with, with I think that, Southgate would have come good in the end. I think that's where it was starting to get good, but we had to go backwards to get there. It's like, but do you want do you want to go backwards yeah. to get there? And then now it's turned out that you know he's. He's been a really good coach um, for, you know, better players than what he had at Middlesbrough. So yeah, he did. He had his hands tied behind his back a little bit. The money disappeared, um, and obviously from the McLaren era, um, and obviously out, things outside the club happened, and he lost a lot of money from that. So um, I thought it was unfortunate, but we also did lose against the majority of the top six when he did get sacked, and then that's why we brought in Strachan and Strachan to start out with, you know, press the big red button, see you later, that was a football club. <laughs> um, but less felt said that a lot better. But um, we had a question from Dave McNally as well. Um, I don't know who wants to answer it, it's up to you. But um, he said, What would you prefer? Um, Tony Pulis in the Premier League, um, obviously getting like a couple more hard works in the team, playing quite conservative football. Um, and then he said playing Jonathan Woodgate um, but say playing more expansive football which we don't even know that we don't know what type of football Jonathan Woodgate would bring um, but get rid of the big earnings and play with the kids what would you kind of prefer? Uh, I feel like it's a bit of a catch-22 there I um, wouldn't really want to go with either but um, I feel like if I had to pick I'd probably I'd probably take the latter and try and instill 
what what we've said um, on the podcast quite a lot, and it was mainly sort of a, a, maybe a month or two ago we were on about it about this sort of identity and philosophy that that we talk about, and I'd, I'd rather go with a latter to try and do that if you went up at the Premier League with Tony Pulis and, and you know play this conservative football, got in some more Rajiv Van La Paras, then. <laughs> Ultimately, I think it's not helping the club long term. I think it's trying to help the club financially short term to, you know, get some money in from you know commercial aspects and stuff like that. But I think long term, it's not building a foundation for the club um, to kind of have this system where you almost know, like I know, you can kind of pick it out with the bigger teams across the world because there's much more stuff documented on them. But um, you know, everybody knows the style that. Real Madrid play or Man United play or Tottenham, Liverpool um, and it, it's been that way for a long time with them um, and they have the youth systems well developed, they have training grounds well developed, I'm not saying we don't we, we, know, we obviously have great training facilities but um, I just think to build that philosophy and, and, and sort of keep it going, I, th- I think that's what the majority of fans liked about Karanka um, although it was some people seeing it as quite you know, defensive still um, it's not defensive in the sense of it's it's Tony Pulis. He had he had a system. Um, it worked effectively, and, and at times it was um, a lot better to watch than Tony Pulis' style, um, in my eyes anyway. But yeah, I, I think if I was to choose, I know it's quite long-winded. If I had to choose, I'd choose the, the latter one and go with Woodgate. Um, I actually really enjoyed Crank's football. Just I wanted yeah, to uh, enjoy yeah, it. Was, yeah, it was yeah, possession yeah. style, and people. The thing is, people like. Oh my god, we're passing it backwards. And then yeah. we're like, yeah, I think that's, what, I think that's when you're looking at it. Because yeah. um, people look and they just think Tony Pulis, Knight, or Karanka are the same if you're looking from the outside in. With, in reality, they're, they're completely not. Mm. Um, Tony Pulis is set up, like I was saying before about Roy Hodgson, he's going out not to get beat. Yeah. Um, whereas Karanka was playing a possession based style of football. Yeah, we'd have to play it back at times, but we were in control of the games. We, we managed games out, um, mm. which was the big difference. I remember that game against Burnley at Turf Moor, which was an absolute cranker masterclass. I think it was the playoff season. Um, somebody got sent off. I think it was probably Ayala. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it actually was. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> Sorry. And um, yeah, it's just you know that identity is um, you know Swansea had it as well, and you know when they yeah. had the the possession based style seems to have kind of they've gone away from that a little bit, yeah. but. I don't know, I think the only thing that Tony Pulis really, well the main thing that Tony Pulis has going for him if we if we go up is that he is experienced and that he's, he's had experience of keeping teams up where, you know, you talk about the long term goal but does the kind of short term goal override that because obviously you want to stay in the Premier League, you want to secure your, your position There's there. so much money in the Premier League now. Well, I think that's what it's, what it's like versing isn't it, it's, it's versing business versus you know the the identity and the feel and how fans want their club to be, isn't it? Um, but from a business point of view, um, you know the board of directors and Steve Gibson are obviously going to look and be like, you know, we <laughs> if we can get the Premier League and we're, we're going to keep twenty people this on because they'll know how to keep us in there. You're getting money for a second season. Do you know what I mean? Even if, even if it was for the, uh, it doesn't. It, obviously, if if we were to like keep Pulis for like one more season, if we got promoted and then probably put we'll get in. And then it gives we'll get another year of experience, isn't it? Learning the trade. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dana, what what would you actually prefer? Would you prefer we go up, or would you prefer we 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 stay? It's a it's a really tough one because we've been up recently and we've seen the the inexperience of Karanka and 
and you know Karanka was meticulous and he was stubborn and he was set in his ways and he never really wanted to change and after what we've you know you've you got to look at the, the context I suppose after what we've seen the past few years I would like to see Borough still an identity and, and get the fans behind the team again because it's been really toxic the past you know season and a half you know it, it's not been good to go to Riverside and see the team be booed off after 20 minutes and two backwards passes you know it's that sort of situation that we find ourselves in so I would actually probably go for the um, identity one um, but you know it, it it's difficult because it is like like we've said you know business and, and I mean it's like we're, we're choosing not to go up in a sense really <laughs> but obviously looking from Steve Gibson's perspective, it's, it's the other way around, yeah, isn't it? Definitely, so, it's definitely perspective. perspective yeah. it's, it's probably worth us going up and staying there. Appreciate the football's not going to be great, but you're in that position. You're you're in the best league in the world. We were in the best league in the world for about 11, 12 years on the on the spin uh, before we got, eventually got relegated. But there's a part of me which I think that the championship itself doesn't get enough credit that it deserves. Um, it's such a fantastic division. Into anyone can be anyone. I don't know if it's like. It's not. I don't know if it's like a high standard or a really bad standard because everyone can beat each other and it doesn't matter. Like Norwich this season, like that, you wouldn't expect them to be top the top of the championship now. They came from nowhere. Came as well. from absolute nowhere. Absolute nowhere. Um, you can you kind of see the foundations a little bit from last year when they played against us, um, and they beat. I think it was James Madison that scored. I think the winner. Mm. Um, but you could see that. But I think I think the championship itself just deserves more funding. And you could really mark like, as a, like a marketer, and like it's. It, it, I feel like you could position the championship to be like this is the league for the dreamland. Like you should put money in this because it's like it's kind of like you know, like with um, it's like college football in the NFL in, in the US where like college football gets a lot of money, but but the main aim is to get to the NFL. Like obviously the colleges don't, but the players the players do. That's how I do the draft. But um, I just think yeah, the championship deserves more money, but it, it won't get it. Um, unfortunately, because you have to feel out to other the other clubs below that. But I would pretty much prefer. I think I'd prefer us to be back in the Premier League. I think, just from a business perspective, if we're in there, so what if the football's crap for like one more season? Like I think I can get over that. And sometimes it wasn't crap. Like last year, there was times where we played some great football and Tony Pulis, and people were saying, "Oh well, this is if this." Uh, this dinosaur football and um, it was something to do with Jurassic Park or something, but it was it was like it's just like kind of like well, we we've been there in the past. It's probably something we can do, but um, if we don't go up though, um, and I think it was Ben who, who submitted the question. And he he says if we don't go up, which high owners do you expect to stay at the club? Bearing in mind the Gazette put something out earlier in the week saying that a few players. I think it was just it was pretty much all loan players. That are out of contract. I um, mean, obviously, including John Allen McKellar, who's on a short-term deal. Um, and then the season afterwards, like Danny Ayala, George Friend, and stuff like that, who are starting to, you know, who are still on big money. Um, that expected to go. But who do you who do you think will probably stay next season if we were to stay in the championship? Um, I don't know many to be honest, because I feel like Brits almost been you know close to leaving a few times. So I can't see Brit staying. Um, Surely we've got to get rid of my boy, Rudy Gusted. Um, we've already tried and he refused because he was probably getting off with less money at Millwall. Um, yeah, that, I, I don't know how much Randolph's on, but I think he'd probably be one that we'd 
I'd be gutted definitely try and keep I'd be gutted if we lost Randolph the thing with Randolph though is he left West Ham because it was Adrian um, and was it Joe Hart I think yeah, when yeah. Joe Hart came in he was like basically pushed down um, if Randolph can attract a side that will guarantee him that number one spot he could be off but otherwise for some reason I just can't see Randolph wanting to leave I think okay. it would be unfinished business because he came in to get Borough to help Borough go up and I think if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't achieve that, then I don't know. I I just feel like he'll stay. I just can't see him leaving. Yeah. For some reason. Not fair enough. Obviously, I feel like he's one. I don't know uh, many others. I feel like some of the ones who went up and got a bonus. Um, obviously, Clay, like so Clayton's going to favour a little bit now. Yeah, I think Clayton might go. I think Downing will probably go anyway. No, that's coming with the contract situation. Um, yeah, I think a majority of them will be off. I think it'll be a big overhaul. Um, either way, if we go up, I think it's going to be a big overhaul this summer. I think it's an interesting one, the Downing situation. And the reason why I say it's interesting is that he's he's coming towards the end of his career now. I can't. If I was in his position, I can't see him be moving house again for like the like another time to go down south. If, I think if he doesn't sign another contract with us for next season on a lower contract. I could see him going the likes of like I don't know, like maybe like Hull or somewhere or she- like a Sheffield club or maybe even Sunderland, Sunderland or something. Yeah. He was linked with the MLS. Uh, like uh, I think it was under Karanka. I don't know where, really whether. I can't see him going there. Mm. I, I can't see it. I just don't think he would be bothered, especially he's, with, he's with like him. A massive net. I want to use like a household name in, in the US. You know what I mean? That like Ebra, mm. especially with him uh, being with Woodgate's sister and Woodgate will be the new manager then you know Woodgate's not going to be like right you're not taking my sister to America are you so <laughs> you can stay around here <laughs> so, well, it'd be interesting because he could become like a coach and it's probably the more natural position for him to go into or move into I think that's when he, when he assigned it was kind of like oh well you're going to stay for four years when you retire have a, have the under 18s or something under 19s or go into the 21s role earn your stripes a little bit but if you, if that's what he wants to do anyway if that's what he wants to do if he doesn't want to do it then fair enough but it's probably more likely he'll probably stay um, but let's move on uh, let's move on to Wigan Saturday DW Stadium uh, going to be roared on by I think it's 4,000 fans I think that was going to, potentially going to be there one of them is going to be uh, you're, going, you're going to be there Elliot um, <laughs> I don't know you guys do your research um, so who wants to kick things off obviously Paul Cook's a gaffer at the moment they've kind of dropped off a little bit but go on, who wants to? Uh, yeah, so I, I've done a bit kind of on sort of the formation and the, the players, um, wait, who we expect to line up and stuff like that. So um, they've kind of flirted with two formations this season, which are both quite similar, really. Um, it's 4 4 1 1 and 4 2 3 1. You know, they're pretty much identical. The only difference with being in a 4 2 3 1, you're pushing the sort of the wingers up so they're yeah. supporting the cam a bit more. Um, it's hard to tell really what I think they're going to go with the, the kind of change each week um, and they went with 4-4-1-1 in the last game against Ipswich at home so it seems a bit strange to me that they do that against bottom of the table um, so uh, yeah they might do that against us they might perceive us to be sort of you know better quality team than Ipswich obviously um, you know uh, coming up against so Tony Pulis, we have the third best away record um, in the division. So, you know, you, that, that's why I, I personally... Five-year deal, Tony. Five-year deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, go on. Um, 
So the, the style when sort of they're in that well in either formation is to kind of use their uh, right and left backs to bomb on. Um, in the way that kind of we've used them this season, both mm. when we played, you know, five at the back or three, whatever you want to call it, or four at the back. Um, and that's uh, Reese James is on the right, uh, eighteen-year-old on loan from Chelsea, and he's had rave review this rave reviews this year. Sorry, from uh, from the Wigan fans. Um, and on the other side, he's called Cal Naismith. I haven't heard of him um, before, but I'd heard of that Reese James. Um, the wingers then from doing that attack more centrally because I, I looked into kind of the average positions for them and the the wing backs are really high up the pitch, much further ahead from. Um, the centre backs and the sort of centre defensive mids kind of drop in, um, and then the wingers kind of go inverted. Um, so you know whether that plays in our hands or not, to be sure. Um, they've used a few wingers this season, um, rotated them a lot, but they've just got in Anthony Pilkington on loan from Cardiff. Okay. Um, so he's started since he's came in, um, so he'll probably line up um, on the right, and it'll be out of Gary Roberts or Michael Jacobs on the left. Gary Roberts on the left. Sorry, go <laughs> no, Gary Roberts. Um, oh, yeah, so you, so you know, you might assume with all the links to Borough and other top championship sides um, that kind of Nick Powell would be lining up um, against us. Um, but he's had you know, a lot of injuries this year. Um, he's been plagued recently. The last two games, he's been back involved, but he's only made like seventeen minutes and twenty minutes and stuff like that. Um, so I would expect him to have a little role in the game but probably as a sub um, but that hasn't really mattered too much to Wigan um, a, a player that I don't really know if we were linked with him but I know he was linked with a lot of moves away um, Josh Windass okay. um, and he's been doing really well for them this year uh, in the centre attack midfield position um, up front they've had absolutely loads of options as well names who stand out as being journeymen in the championship who seem to have been there forever so they've had Leon Clark. Yeah, they've had Leon Clark, <laughs> Joe Garner, James Vaughan, Will Grigg. Um, but Grigg and, and Vaughan both left in uh, January to Sunderland and Portsmouth, respectively. So um, it will be out of um, Joe Garner and Leon Clark um, to start up front. Um, the giant, Dan Byrne, has went back to Brighton. So we won't have to deal with any aerial threats from Former him. Former Darlington Academy player, Dan Byrne. Yeah, sorry, but Karen. So we won't have one of them who comes back like uh, the guy who scored against us from Newport. We won't have any sort of. Oh, my darling. Yeah, mm-hmm. we won't have any of that. Um, so they replaced him with someone called Danny Fox from Forest. I've heard of him, but he's been starting in his position um, along with uh, Che Dunkley at the back. Um, so that's kind of how I expect them to line up, and then sort of formation could vary between that four four one one and. What I think was really interesting from that is the amount of times it changed formation throughout the season. Um, for me, that kind of says that Paul Cook's like not exactly confident in his players, but also he's trying to play um, rather than focus on the Wigan team. He's trying to focus on the other team too much. Mm. It's a little bit like what David Moyes used to do at West Ham when um, he got slated for it because I and at Manchester United respectively as well that he focused so much on that position. People at Man United were like, well, we're focused on ourselves, like we we don't do any of this. And he did the opposite, and that's hence why he lost the, the dressing room eventually. But obviously we're Wigan, um, until the best team in the league by a by a country mile. But it's just uh it, it's very interesting to see that he's he, I don't know, it might it might be wrong, but it seems like he's not as confident as he, he could be in yeah, I think. Gary Monk kinda did it 
um, at Boron when he, he took changed the defence yeah, a lot, really didn't did he? That, yeah. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, it doesn't instill confidence on the team at all. Um, yeah. Changes in obviously defence. I know you mentioned that, Dan. I'll come back to you. What yeah. if George Friend was to come back in? Would you put him back into central central defence? He did play quite well against Blackburn. It probably would suit him as well because he hasn't really got the legs as much now. Bomb down the wing. Uh, would you put him back in or? Yeah, I would. I mean. Well, it goes against everything I've said on the podcast before because I've always been like, why is George Fred still here? Um, <laughs> <laughs> George. Why is he still here? I don't know. I feel like I, I, with George, I feel like he actually is probably better as one of the three central uh, defenders in, in like a back three or whatever or back five or whatever because um, I just feel like when he's, you know, in, in the stage he is um, in his career at the moment, um, it will probably be beneficial to move him more in, in centrally. Um, so I feel like he suits it there. Um, but and to be fair, I think he played there for Doncaster a few times. Yeah, that was quite a few years ago now. But um, I mean, I wouldn't be all against him coming back in. Who would you pair him with? Would you pair him with, say, if Aidan Flint was to come back in? Um, would you pair him with, like, say, Flint and Ayala, or and uh, Dilfry would miss out, or? No, I'd go... With or Fry, no, yeah. Fry, no, Fry definitely. Uh, I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want Dale Fry out the side. Um, probably Fry, Ayala and Friend. But then, you know, Shotton. Shotton could also play in there as well. Shotton, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a difficult one, isn't Move it? Shotton back out the wing back. But then Housen, again, has been a revelation in that position, yeah. hasn't he? So, yeah, I think I'd probably I'd, I'd keep the midfielders out there, Savile and, and Housen and it kind of means that we've got more centre backs in that way. Seems that we we lost Danny Bart. It means that you basically having shot and friend is, is you know, extra cover. I think it's back. been a bit of a blessing in disguise. So the injuries we've had to centre backs, um, we've been we've played significantly more attacking um, and better since we've had those injuries. Um, and it's I quite like the the aspect of Johnny Housen playing right wing back, which I thought I would never say, but <laughs> it's uh, I thought he was I thought. Over like the game against QPR, even though I said we were bang average, which I think we we were, but I thought there were some good individual performances like Dale Fry, Johnny House, and um, who kind of stood out for me a little bit. But yeah, blessing in disguise a little bit. I would say so, yeah, because I mean, I'm not a big fan of Aidan Flint, um, and I just feel like ever since he's he's gone out the side, the, I don't know. It's been a, there's been a change. I, I just feel as though we're a, a are almost better without him and you know the injuries have kind of forced Pulis's hand a little bit you know he's he's had to change tact a little bit and um you know the formation has kind of been set from there and it's it's not anything that he probably wanted well yeah. no doubt he, he didn't want it but um it's kind of done well for him because we've been better the past two games you know with uh, Britain and Fletcher up front and yeah. Housen and Savile both playing very well <coughs> yeah, I, I feel like it's um, it's probably done Dunborough well, to be fair. Two massive results. Um, let's move on. Uh, let's do your predictions on your lineups. Um, who would like to go first? Um, who do I, who do I pick? Um, probably not me because I'm. <laughs> go on then. We'll go to Els. We'll pick you first. Yeah. Um, so you know, touching on all that from uh, what we were saying about the players, I'm going to stick with exactly the same lineup. Um, and the reason. Why I wouldn't put uh, George back in is I was having a look at our injuries and suspensions tightrope, and uh, that might 
kind of give an idea of why these three players aren't actually in the starting eleven um, as well, not just maybe due to performance but because of this, but um, Friend, Clayton and Hugel are all one-off uh, from being suspended one yellow card, so that might be sort of an added reason to why they might, might not be getting started um, and coming on as subs. Um, whether he's kind of waiting it out for a deadline, I don't know when that would be. Um, yeah, we don't know. But yeah, so I'd line up with the same team Randolph, Ayala, Shot and Fry, House and Besic, Mikel, Wing, Savile, Fletcher, and Britt. Um, prediction I'm going to go with 2 1 Borough. Um, the reason I think Wigan will score is I forgot to mention it when kind of going through um, through their team. But that, that match against Sipswich, even though they drew 1 all playing that 4 4 1 1, they did have 26 attempts. Um, so I thought they were quite unlucky not to get <laughs> more than one goal. It's like a game of fee for that. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I do think they have enough up front to grab a goal um, with Joshua Windass and Joe Garner and potentially Nick Pollock coming on as well. So and you're going away game, so we're always unlucky. Um, <laughs> then I gone. Have you put something together? Yeah, or? you know, sod what I've just said about friend. I'll probably just keep it the same as well because I do like Shotton, and if I had to pick Shotton over friend. Um, and Fry and the rest I'd probably pick them all over friends so I'm going to go with the same team as for prediction I think I'm going to go with the same result as the game at the Riverside 2-0 2-0 and scorers I'm going to go Johnny will get and Tunjai Sandley <laughs> oh I love Tunjai me uh, no uh, Brit and I think Sav again Brit and Sav this is the boring because I'm going to go exactly the same with you so I'm going to, um, you can't if it's not broke don't fix it um, I'll definitely keep the same formation same setup. Um, I appreciate they're going to probably try and match us in, in some respect and maybe sit a little bit deeper and make it hard for us to break them down which is which is quite normal really um, for a team that is focusing a lot on, on the opposition rather than themselves um, I can expect them to, to make things difficult for us, trying to make make yeah make things difficult for us and try and find sit a little bit deeper than at home than, than particularly usual. Um, I appreciate that they had twenty six on, shots on target against Ipswich, but I can see them being a bit lower than that. Um, if I if I'm, I'm obviously I'm a better man, so I probably would probably bet on them having about ten shots, ten eleven shots. But um, it's hard score prediction. Um, I might keep it low. I think it's gonna. Uh, but top of my head, I was thinking, I'm thinking one all draw. That's what I'm thinking. But the optimistic man that I am, I was gonna say probably one nil Middlesbrough. I did see a stat on who scored that was um, in the past three games for Borough and the f- past four games for Wigan. There was uh, under two point five goals. Well. Well, you said that. I'm gonna say four 0 Middlesbrough because just <laughs> the betting man there. You know. Stats are there to be broken. Stats are, are stats are there to be broken. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wraps everything up, guys. Uh, thank you very much for joining us as always. Um, listen to the podcast. Remember to like, share, um, subscribe to our channel. Always also give us five star rating on um, iTunes. That really does help us with getting up the ladder in terms of sport podcasts, but also helping other fans find us too. Um, but thank you very much for listening um, and hopefully we, we went on Saturday for Elliot